I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. Kyle Clark is the face of Nine News in Denver, which is still the top-rated TV news station in the state. The show, next with Kyle Clark, pulls in more viewers than the 10 o'clock newscast. I think it's an opinion show more than a news show. Let's find out what Mr. Clark thinks. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I hope you enjoy this discussion. So if you took everything you hate about the liberal media, smug millennials, and people with hair, you'd have Kyle Clark right there. Hey, it's good to be back. (laughs) It's good to be back. (laughs) Last time we did this, it was right when you caused COVID to to break out in Denver. Yep, Yep. it was right when Tony Fauci and I were whipping that up for everybody. Yeah, and congratulations, you... You whipped it up. You whipped it up good. Yeah, I will say I know. I know that. Uh, I know that flattery from the media is probably devastating to your brand. Uh, but I will say, I remember the last conversation that we had was right before COVID, and I said, right "I think this is going to be bad. <laughs> Please take it seriously and use your voice to help other people take it seriously." And you did. You absolutely I, did. Which is I, not to say that you weren't critical of some of the governor's policies or this no, or whatever else. Of- but you were not a denier. And you helped convince people to take it seriously. So I know you don't want flattery from me, but there you let, go. Let me let me take that a little differently, which also okay. then I said, wait a second, this is not nearly as dangerous as people whipped it up to be, and that the policies being done are going to be much more dangerous to the point where I had to sue my school district because they were denying my special needs son an education for a year. He has Down syndrome. And they isolated him. And I think the, I think the cure by shutting down the society for two years was much more dangerous uh, than than the disease, particularly to kids, who now we look at it and they were the ones who were the least in danger. What yep. we should have done was to take those who were in danger and protect them, the elderly and those who are fragile, and let loose those who needed to engage, like my son, and kids. You look at the mortality rates, and young people were the least in danger, but yet they were the ones most injured by the policies. And furthermore, pumping made-up money into the society and putting people on the dole, getting them addicted to not working, I think the long-term impact of that is, well, what we're seeing right now, including inflation and a how to put it, disgust with working. I think, I think we're about to see the impact of what happens when all those COVID dollars start to trail out of society in terms of government programs and that kind of thing. I think everything from government to the nonprofit sector, everything else is gonna, it's gonna see what happens when, when the big money goes away because so many people have been showered in cash for the last couple of years. And for economic goobs like me, we were say, there are no dollars to begin with. They don't exist, they were made up. And so when our money supply is doubled out of nowhere, it, somebody pays. And it pays with a destabilized dollar. It pays with all sorts of, with all sorts of problems. Uh, and um, now we're starting to see the fallout. 
I blame you personally. That's, I think that that's probably fair. And I think that that probably will get the required clicks. Uh, good. Okay. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, how long did you broadcast from home? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't and know. It, it, was more, it was more than a year. Couldn't we see the rest of your house? Sure. Because I saw that nice little, you know, little wall you had, which was very nice, but I wanted to see the rest of the place. Sure. Like, you know, here's my bathroom. Uh, you know, this is a shower. You know, that guy, here's the laundry room. Yeah. I mean, do you understand how rich it is Here, that a guy broadcasting a show from his basement is criticizing another guy broadcasting a show from his basement? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my office basement. This is a whole different thing. <laughs> sure. I want, I wanted, I want to see the garage and more importantly, yeah. I wanted to see the address number. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, you can just look for that online. Some of your friends have found it, so don't worry. Really? Yeah. Oh, that'd be yeah. good. Yeah. That would be terrific. Um, the other burning question, your partner, uh, is, uh, Marshall. Yes. Does he expense out the cost of the glasses? Because he's got like... He's got like 18 pairs of glasses. Yeah. So you got the little glasses yeah, tie clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think he's, I think he's the best uh, political reporter in the state. I, and, I, and I think that there's a lot of competition for that, but I think he's the best. He is, he is so smart and he is so no BS. I mean, he can cut through any, you know, sheen that people want to put on stuff. He's, he's good people. He's good people. He might be good people, but I'll argue that one. All right. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this. Well, let me state this. You know how much I hate complimenting you. I, you, you know how much I just hate you in general. Sure. So you did not, um, you did not give an exclusive, get an exclusive interview with, with the governor after a state of the state. Why not? The way that that worked after the state of the state is that we were offered an opportunity to speak with the governor if we would also speak with a guest of his choosing on a topic of his choosing. So, you know, when the State of the Union happens in Washington, when the State of the State happens, the president or the governor will have a bunch of guests they bring in to say, you know, here's this policy and here's somebody up in the balcony who loves right. it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And for the last two years, the way that it's worked after the State of the Union speeches uh, that Governor Polis has given is he wants to do joint interviews with one of those supporters to try and kind of corral journalists into talking about that topic. You know, how dare you ask me about Tabor because Susie Q here wants to talk about the endangered prairie dogs of the San Luis Valley or something right. like that. You know what I mean? And, and we declined. Um, because as journalists, we decide who we interview and we decide the topics that we talk about. People in power don't make that decision for us. Lots of reporters had interviews with the governor after a state of state. Um, God, I hate giving you credit for anything. I can it, tell it, how much it, it physically pains it, you. It, it, it makes me ill. Sure. That was a stand-up thing to do. Uh, and I was surprised. I was surprised. It's a basic thing to do. You know, I, I wish you put together a list of all the journalists and all the other stations and all the other reporters that, uh, that had interviews with, with the, the governor afterwards. By, by the way, I don't blame the governor for doing it. He is a, and I mean this in a complimentary way, he is a slick, slick politician. I think one of the best we've ever had in that, that way of being able to spin. I mean, this guy knows his stuff. He uh, floats like a butterfly. He stings like a bee. He knows uh, public policy inside and out, and he can rope-a-dope most reporters right out of existence. Um, I, I, I wanted to see a, a list of, well, who did fall for that? And what journalist does say, okay, I'll... I'll in order to get the exclusive, I'll 
I'll go for your, uh, uh, I'll play hostage and I'll, I'll play the blackmail. Um, uh, how easy of a decision was it? Supremely easy. That's, that's, it wasn't a tough call at all. Um, I, you just, we ask for the folks that we want to talk to and if they put conditions on it and we feel like it's still worthwhile to talk to them, we need to disclose those conditions to the audience. We could have done the interview and said, we're here with the governor. A condition of the interview is that this person is also present for us to talk to and they want to talk about X issue. And we just made the decision that we'd rather just pass and we talk to them at another opportunity. Let me get the second compliment over so I don't ever have to compliment you ever yeah, again for rip years. the Band-Aid off. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys have been asking questions about energy policy lately mm-hmm. um, and uh, about friggin' time, but Zellinger has just been on a tear lately. You guys are getting questions from viewers and they're leading you to Excel. And sooner or later, after you finish asking the questions of Excel, sooner or later, you're going to have to ask questions about legal changes that allow Excel. I mean, Excel is, is you know, this the scorpion on the frog's back. He's just doing what scorpions do. Um, What's leading you to ask all these tough questions about why our energy bills are so bad from this one corporate monopoly, and there's a couple others around the state, but these are tough questions that need to be answered. Uh, The answer is elections have consequences, but, uh, but this has been a long series you guys have been doing. So I think one thing that we've tried to set up with with our weeknight show next is to make it very responsive to viewers' interests. It tends to kind of go with the flow of public interest on topics, maybe more so than other shows that say, sit down and let us tell you what's important. Viewers tell us every day what's important to them, and we go out and we get answers on that. We have not seen the volume of viewer comments, questions, the volume of viewer interest on any subject as we currently see about high energy prices and why they are so high. We haven't seen that in years. I mean, truly, like not since, I would say not since the start of the pandemic have people been so fixated on one issue and they want to know more about it. And that's why Marshall set out on an almost nightly basis to take people's questions about Excel and the PUC and rates and try to get people answers. Because It's not an area where I have personal expertise, and not necessarily one even where Marshall has personal expertise. Our goal is to talk to all of the people in the public who also don't have that expertise and want to know more. They want to understand. And we want to be able to ask people in positions of accountability, why is it this way? Why does it have to work this way? And what kind of... you know, what kind of decisions go into the situation that we're currently in with, with energy prices? I talked to Marshall about some of this stuff, and I could tell, I mean, I get it. You guys have to be generalists. Sure. And that's not a bad thing. You know, we policy wonks, we, we dive in way too deep on an issue. We know way too much. We know history. We know this. And then we look at uh, you reporters and go, why don't you know this stuff? And it's like, well, because we're reporters. And that's a good thing because you've got to translate it to other people who don't know things. I mean, we're, we're the intermediary between right. the policy wonk and then somebody whose day job is being a doctor or a mechanic right. or whatever else and doesn't know it either. So we're kind of the, the stepping stone in between the two. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's been frustrating for us in that, um, as I say, elections have, have consequences. And we look around and we see the, the crime go up. We see um, uh, the, 
car thefts. We see uh, uh, the homeless problems. We see the taxes go up. We see the energy costs go up. People go, why, why, why? And those of us are going, what do you mean why? You can't keep voting the way you vote and for this not to happen. You know, sooner or later, these are, these are what, what happens when you put these people in, pol- uh, in charge of policy and this is going, this is going to happen. For instance, uh, people are upset about uh, Walmart taking away plastic bags or the 10 cent a bag charge, which next year goes away altogether because there'll be no plastic bags. And everyone's shocked. Well, those of us who are political junkies, I put you in that same category. We're like, what do you, what do you mean you're shocked? It, it, the bill passed. Nobody, nobody watches that. Nobody reads that. You might have done a story on it, but it still mm-hmm. doesn't click until the bill comes. Or you go to Walmart and you have all your stuff and you go, what do you mean there's no bag? So um, do you also get frustrated by that, that you've reported it and still when, when there's no plastic bag there, people go, what do you mean there's no plastic bag? And you go, two years ago when they passed the bill. Don't you remember we told you about it? We told you that. No, that doesn't right. frustrate me at all. Because it's not people's job to live this stuff like you and I do. Like, it, it, people don't spend their lives steeped in policy and politics. They've got other things to worry about. So it never bothers me when I have to explain, like, yep, here again is why this why this happens. And you're absolutely right. I mean, when somebody runs on a certain set of ideas, I want to do these things, and then they get into power, and then they do those things, and then those things happen, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, why are plastic bags going away? Because the people in charge believe that they should go away. And they talked about it, and now they're in charge, and now they're going away. There you go. That's pretty, you know, there's a straight line causation. It's tougher, I think, on other things like crime and homelessness and things like that. Um, obviously, policy has a huge impact, but in terms of like direct causality, I think it's tougher. But well, it, what, it never, it never find, bothers me to talk to about it. What you'll find, as Marshall keeps digging with Excel, yeah, Excel is uh, an 800-pound gorilla. I think they are uh, have more power than the teachers' union in, in the capital and also throughout local governments uh, throughout Colorado but they're just doing what evil crony uh, monopolies do, but they've been unleashed uh, to do what they've been able to do with changes in law. But I mean, it will take a while to, to, uh, to get there. Uh, and so I, all of this to say, thank you for finally getting there. These are important questions and I'm glad, I'm glad you listened to those questions. Next question. Sure. Micro giving. Yeah. You do this every day? Every week. Every week. Every Wednesday. 140 Wednesdays now. 140 Wednesdays. And you always say, you give five bucks, I'll put in... I match the first $55 contribution, so 250 Right. And do you do that? You say, I'll put that in. But is it really Nine News or is it you? It's me. I, it would be lying if Nine News put it in, right? So you put it in. I put it in. It's 250 bucks a week? Sure. And it matches the money that other people come in. That's how you get the ball rolling. So how much money do you make? <laughs> Enough that I can give 250 bucks a week to get it rolling. Yeah, so think how about much, it. How much think about is that? That's a think lot about of money. How, think about how you leverage that, though. Okay, so you leverage microgiving to convince people, hey, if a bunch of us kick in five bucks, we can make an impact. All right, and you do some matches, and then it gets rolling. Raise 10 million bucks in two and a half years. Like that's no joke. Like that's serious money, and that's from people's five dollar contributions. And I was talking to people at an event last week for a, a group that our viewers helped out, and I think we tend to think of philanthropy as you know, tuxedo dinners, you know, at the Hyatt or the Ritz or wherever, you know, and people giving big dollar donations and paddle raises and things like that. But to have 
tens of thousands of $5 philanthropists in the community who know that they can move the needle for a small to mid-sized nonprofit through their generosity every single week. It's such a cool thing. And I really feel like our goal was to try and open up this idea of philanthropy and giving and generosity to a wider group of people and not to make it a one-off thing or a, we'll do it at the holidays or twice a year, but every single week, here's a new nonprofit, here's what they do, here's how we can help them, now let's go to work. And the $5 donations pile up like crazy and you get to 10 million bucks in two years. So you're giving about 13 grand a year. So I'm just curious, uh, 13 grand is what percentage of your, of your income? I'm not here to do math with you. <laughs> Oh, then that's what, you know, you know, the Independence Institute is also a, a charity. Is it, is it really? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, in case you ever want to, you know, you know just, just saying, if you ever want to okay. give 250 bucks and, okay. you know, to, to the, to the Caldera Fund? Yeah, just, for, you know, for children? For children. And for, animals? For, for, yeah. for animals and <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> however you need. However, however whatever you, you want to do it. Yeah. We will do it. We'll do it. Yeah. We'll, well, listen, we're 140 weeks in, so... 140 in a, weeks, and you missed us for 140 weeks. I hope each one is a personal affront to you. <laughs> it is. It is. This week, is it... Is it <laughs> no, again! Not, again, not again. As again. long as you're watching for you that. You know what? It's, it's the same thing. All these years, um, People Magazine does the sexiest man alive. Yeah. <laughs> well... Yeah, it's, a, it's the same thing. Stay with it. All right. Serious question yeah. I actually do want to get to. Yeah. Which is... The mixture, and I, I think Next, which, by the way, Next is a unique product. Thanks. All right, so it, 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 no, 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 <laughs> I'll, no, ta I'll no, take it no matter how you mean it. <laughs> um, so you read the news. So what I love in England is they call them readers. Sure. Yeah, um, which I could never do because I'm dyslexic. You want to hear something that scared the hell out of you? Yeah. I write it too. Yeah. That Double scares, threat. That is yeah. triple threat. <laughs> So how often have you ever had that um, 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 Anchorman uh, thing, you know, Will Ferrell? Yeah. Uh, you know, stay classy, Denver. And somebody writes the same thing. Go screw yourself, Denver. The old, if they if it gets in the teleprompter, you just will it, will it be said? Yeah. No. I mean, the, the absolute most terrifying thing to me is, because that's called a cold read. Yeah. Okay? You're reading it live as the words appear up there. My goal is to never ever have a cold read. Because, I mean, when you're talking about a show like Next, that's stuff that either I've written or heavily rewritten somebody else's copy on it. Um, and like our 9 and 10 o'clock shows, less of a heavy hand rewrite, but I'm still getting to everything and touching everything. If we ever have a story that's coming in late, I want bullet points in my ear that I can write down. I do not want a, I do not want a script in that prompter. That's death. Because you've got no idea what's coming up. At any moment, you could fling yourself over the precipice of stupidity. So I want those bullet points so that I can come up with it in my head. And so, no, the cold read, the would it, go after yourself San Diego or yeah. whatever, never want to get near that. Did um, you ever have it blank out? I mean, technology goes on the fritz sure. all the time. Sure, Do you ever just go, Poof. yeah. And then what do you do? Then you tell people about the news. And if you have, a, if you have an understanding of it, if you yeah. know... Here's the reporter coming up. Here's what his or her story is about. If you can't come up with a 15-second synopsis to lead into the story, like, yikes. You know, I mean, yeah, that's the deal. Stupid question. Used to be that uh, teleprompter, there was somebody in the booth that would be scrolling yep. while you're reading. Yep. I don't think it's that way anymore. Do you have, like, a foot pedal? Yeah, operate it by foot pedal. Yeah, which is nice because especially when I'll, say, get into, like, one of my next commentaries, 
Um, you know, it's that was the stuff you talked about earlier about yeah. just like the really the the pompous, uh, heinous stuff that's really hard to take. Smug. Smug. That smug was the word was that the you word. used. Yeah, yeah smug. Um, so we'll get into one of those smug sermons, and I'll realize <laughs> this isn't landing. You know, yeah. uh, and I can just yes. press the accelerator and oh, skip through some stuff. This ain't working. This is, I, I'm not even convinced. I'm not even convincing myself so, anymore. Let's just yeah. zoom through the rest of this. So instead, with a foot pedal, that's in, nice. Instead of going to the guy off camera going, <laughs> come on, come on, man. I'm, di- I'm dying out here. I'm dying. This is terrible. Who wrote this garbage? I wrote it. Yeah. Going back to the, we'll, we'll, we'll upgrade it from smug to that self-righteous crap you do. On, sure. Yeah. So, the news is the news, and guys like me can always go, oh, that's liberal crap. Um, and we can complain about that. Next is a little different in that I think, good or bad, it borders from news to opinion. Yep. And, and so let me, let me challenge you on this, which is, is next news? Is it your opinion? So you do, you do articles, and I, the next articles, the news stories with the reporters, are, in my mind, are more sharp-elbowed than uh, most stories, that I think they're more, more one-sided. Um, uh, mind you, I think most news stories are more one-sided, one way or the other. Uh, although, guys will always bring in an opposite opinion. I think if you look at most stories, there's winners and losers. But it's the... It's the chit-chat afterwards. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you're king at this. Um, I mean that as a true compliment. You are quick, you're funny, uh, you throw some punches, and it's why it's engaging. Uh, but you take a side when you throw those punches. That's why it works. It wouldn't work if you didn't throw punches. And you are going to offend people with those punches. I'll go one further. Mm-hmm. You, I think, are probably one of the best Twitter masters in in Denver media because you take sides. And so people hate me, but people dislike you or they just love you. And so, and you actually engage with them on Twitter. Sure. Yeah, which other reporters, anchors don't. You, you'll actually, I don't want to say throw a punch. I've never seen you on Twitter, you know, say, you're a jerk, and you, know, you, you, you will throw a witty punch, and I would give you well over 80% that it hits, and even though you're completely wrong, it's like, damn, that, <laughs> damn, that was good. You gotta go, damn, that was, that was funny. So you, you've, got, you've got a real knack for that. But their, their opinion, I mean, you, you throw your opinion around. So back to the question. Mm-hmm. Next, with Kyle Clark, news or opinion, or how much of each? I think people can call it whatever they want to call it, and what I don't do, what know. Is, what does Kyle call it? It's a news show. It's a news show. It covers the news. It absolutely does. I think we do. Uh, we you got, do. You got, you got to admit, there. It is completely infused with your personality. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. I I would disagree with one of your characterizations here. I don't think that sharp elbowed equals one sided. I love the description of our reporting as sharp-elbowed because I think that all reporting should be sharp-elbowed. This idea of just passively regurgitating what people say, laying it out in front of people and saying, have a great day, 
No, like get in there, mix it up a little bit, challenge people, let people see what happens when folks get challenged about what they're saying. That's good. We we want that. And we also want that, I think, in the interplay between me and the reporters that you were talking about. That idea of like, let's make this a little uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's check out the edges of this. Let's check the seams on this story. You know, that kind of thing. That's good. We want that in the process. I don't think that that is naturally one-sided. I think when you when you hear my opinion in the show in terms of the commentary, so our goal with that is that we're not interested in advocating for policy. You're not going to hear me say, pass this tax measure that Caldera likes. Nope, not my business, not my job. You're not going to hear me advocate for candidates, you know, uh, you know, vote for John Caldera for school board. Nope, you're not going to hear me say that. But we will talk about shared values that we think unite people across the ideological spectrum. Transparency, fairness, accountability, things like that. And often those commentaries are infused with things like whether you like this politician or not, you got to admit blank. Or whether you're on this side of the issue or that. You have to acknowledge that this is a that this is a problem, or that this person is not living up to the standards that they set, or this is hypocritical. I mean, take a recent example from this past summer when Democrats and Governor Polis tried to rename the Tabor rebates the Colorado Cash Back, so that they could take credit for the rebates that they had tried to previously kill. That's hypocritical. We called that out. We reported on it. Then we did commentaries on it and said whether you like the guy or not. Whether you like Tabor rebates or not, they're not being straight with you on this. Like, come on now. It's right here in front of us. So I think that there's a value for that. And I mean, is that taking a side? Yes, I guess so. If the sides are complete BS or the reality of the situation. I mean, is that taking a side? Yeah, I guess so. I'm I'm happy to take a side there well, and not, call somebody it's, it's out. Not, yes, you do the commentary. And I th- yeah. the commentary is what you've written, right? You, you've yep. written your commentary. Um, but that the commentary is also opinion. Agreed? Sure. Yeah. So that is absolutely opinion. In a newspaper, that would have would break the wall between news side and yep. editorial side. So uh, you've got a reporter over here, and usually on a newspaper, and, and on a newspaper, reporters don't write on the opinion side. But they often do analysis. And I think I think sometimes we get into hair splitting about whether what you see on next is opinion or analysis. And I think a lot of what we do is analysis. I think a lot of Marshall Zellinger's reporting on, on Excel has been analysis. Now, that, that analysis. But, but you're snark. You're, you, have, you have great snark. You have great humor. You, you, you got wit. And I think it was what makes you stand out in Denver media is uh, you've got a great sense of humor. And you can... you. You, you throw a punch without it being mean-spirited. And that's, that is an art that, at least in the political world, is hard to do. Because, Are you talking about like when I congratulated Excel on its record profits last year? Yes. You don't think that was sincere? I don't think that was sincere. You got me. All right. Everybody got you. Okay. You know, and so you've, you've got that, but it, it's not mean. It's not awful. It's, God, I don't want to compliment you. You're such Sorry. a bastard. Um, it's witty and it gets the point across. And I'm not talking about your comment section. I'm talking yeah. about, you know, the playful banter between, I saw recently, there's a bill on, um, uh, farmers fixing their equipment. Yep. All right. One, you ain't a farmer. Not. I can tell by that used cars, car, uh, salesman outfit you're wearing, 
you're not a farmer. Come from a family of farmers, but not myself. Right. right. So I'm watching, I'm watching the piece and I'm going, well, wait a second. As a free marketeer, uh, there are property rights and somebody builds you know, a system, they've got property rights in the same way I hate uh, my Apple phones, uh, proprietary software and this and that, but that's the price of their uh, advancing software. And uh, you and the reporter had this wonderful back and forth and it was obvious you're both on the same side of this issue. You know, let the guy have, um, you know, the codes to do whatever. And, and the point was, uh, you could tell where you were on the issue. I think you're reading too much into that. Cause but what, but my, my point is, the, during, converse, during the that, conversation about that story was about the ingeniousness of the farmer who had to pay the mechanic mm -hmm. to come out to enter the five-digit code to fix his combine. And he peeked over the guy's shoulder and wrote down the five-digit code. I'm sorry, no matter what yeah, side no, of the issue on, that is objectively hilarious, which Agreed. is what we were talking about. And good and good for the ingenuity of the farmer who peeked over the mechanic's shoulder and wrote down the code so he didn't have to pay for it next time. Agreed. Agreed. But what it came across as was, you know, this is a good bill. Um, I'm just, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I disagree with you on that. I think. I mean, the bill is the bill, and people can decide whether or not they like it or not. And I'm. I'm not going to apologize for thinking it's funny that the farmer looked no, over the mechanic shoulder. No, and no, I'm, down not the coat. A, I'm yeah. not saying you. You should. What I, I guess what I'm saying is, next is different because there's a lot more opinion, not just inside your your commentary, which you write. I think it's great, uh, but also because you're funny and the banter has it, and it shows. It shows opinions of your reporters and yours. So, you know, it's news and opinion mixed mixed together. Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I'll take I'll I'll take that. I mean, is is the tribunal over? <laughs> I mean, I, I, sure. There's there's news and opinion there. There's analysis in there. There's a lot of viewer powered elements uh, that reflect folks' viewpoint. I think I think the days of people wanting a newscast in which, honestly, a bunch of older white guys stand there, proclaim themselves to be free of bias and the impartial rulers of the universe and recite the news of the day to people, I think that those days are done. I think people understand that every human being has, has perspectives, has biases, because we're human beings with lived experiences, and that our job as people who work in journalism is to go out and to collect as many insights as we can, to fairly present them, to analyze where people are coming from. But at the end of the day, we're also people too. And it's okay if people detect the fact that we are human beings. We're getting close to the point where we could just replace newsreaders with AI, you know? And I don't necessarily think that that's what people want from a news product. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. That would, might be we'll, fun. we'll find, we'll we'll find yeah, out we'll soon find enough. Out. Switch from there yeah. to next with Kyle Clark to Twitter with Kyle Clark. Yeah. You are, how much time do you spend on social media? And what I mean by that is reading it, engaging with it. For instance, our governor, uh, oh my God, he is on it all the time. I, I, when I did radio, late night radio, and he was a congressman, uh, I'd be talking on radio and he'd call in all the time and we'd have great conversations. Yep. Uh, he is just obsessed with social media. And I don't, and I thought maybe he had guys doing it, but when he does it, it's in his I, voice. I, I think it's, I, I think I think it's, it's him. him. Yeah. And when you do it, I think it's you. Oh yeah, there's nobody doing yeah. stuff under under my name. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, social media is fantastic because it's a great way for people to get in touch with us. And, and when, I, when I tell you that viewers power next each night, like that's not a slogan. You take out that viewer feedback, we don't have a show. I mean, it really is driven by by that. So every day I'm constantly going through my Instagram DMs and going through my Twitter DMs and going through Facebook comments and things like that to try and glean what are people curious about? Where are their questions? Where do they think that we're missing something? That kind of thing. So that feedback element of it is absolutely essential. I, I will say um, that I am very grateful that Elon Musk bought Twitter that? and that some changes have made it less functional because it's finally reduced the amount of time I spend on that platform. And I was spending too much time on it. Um, just the way the algorithm works now in terms of the way that it serves content, it's much clunkier to get at the people you're following, the people that you've opted in to hear from and that kind of thing. So I spend far less time on it than I used to. I mean, still more than probably the average person does, but that's actually been really healthy. It's allowed me to spend more time on other things. So if I, if I tweet at you, you yeah. see it. I I try I try to right. I try to it's it's not as it's not as easy as it as it used to be to kind of sort through things. I mean, app mentions and and direct uh, messages. I still try to get to all of them. How much of it is hate? What, what I'm but not not I'm I'm gonna you know uh, car bomb you. But I mean, how much of it is God? You are such a blankety 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 blank and you know. Um, yeah. Um, I would say I would say on Instagram five percent, on Facebook thirty percent, on Twitter ninety eight percent. I'd say I'd say I'd say fifty to seventy percent. Really? Yeah. Really? How much of it is constructive, or you missed the point on this? You need to look at that. That you go eh, maybe, and you might not. You might not say it on your Facebook page or yeah. respond, I ought to think about that, but you go, mm, that's, a, that's not a bad point. Volume-wise, very little of it is that, but the value of it is so great that it's worth combing through all the rest of it. Okay, so that's that's a point, because, I mean, I've known you for a while, and uh, quite honestly, I've told you, you ought to look at this, and you're like, and, and you go, yeah, you, you are open to it. Mm-hmm. I think the problem, particularly on my side of, of the world is when we tell you that, you know, we're just angry. And so, you know, we don't, we don't present criticism in a way that anybody wants to hear it. So help us, because I think there's a lot of things conservatives, libertarians, uh, free market folks want to tell Nine News because you are the loudest microphone around. Um, and I, I don't just hate you because you're young and you have hair. Uh, I hate you because you have a lot of influence and you have so many more viewers than I'll ever have and you'll live longer. And uh, how much Did you money? mention hair? I didn't mention you hair, but I, I should mention hair. Yeah, mention it and again. And how much money do you make again? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more than more. But, but um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, I bet if he, he thought about it this way, he might report about this part. So how do we tell you, you know, in a tweet, you really ought to look at this, or you ought to think about that, yeah. or I think you were wrong about this, you should have looked at this part of it. Well, you could teach that class, because you know how to do it. I mean, I mean, the two of us have had productive conversations for All a the decade. Time. Yeah, I mean. How long uh, have you been here, by the way? 15 years. 
God, it seems so much longer. Yeah, I I bet. I, I hope it seems really long for you. It's yeah, really long for me. Um, no, <laughs> no, I mean, I think I, I think the key. I think the key is like the the first question, and this is this is the same with any feedback that you're going to give to anybody. Is decide whether you want to give the feedback publicly or privately. Yeah. You know, and and listen, there's value in both. I'm not going to tell anybody how to give feedback, but just, you know, do you want to make it a public thing? Do you want to make it a private thing? You've given me both kinds of feedback. That's fine. Um, I think, you know, the idea that like, well, I'm going to publicly excoriate somebody and that's how I'm going to win them over to my point of view doesn't happen. I'm, I'm happy for somebody to do that and I still take their point of view into consideration, but it, typically I reply in kind, not say that I'm going to blaze them, but I'll say something like, thank you for watching next or bless your heart or something like that. You know, uh, whereas if heart. somebody reaches out privately and is like, Hey, you might not be aware, but this thing's going on. Or like, have you ever, have you ever looked at this or, or what about this? Or, you know, you're talking to these people and I, th- I think you might be missing these folks over there. Can I make an introduction? That kind of thing. We'll get a response in kind like, Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Or, you know, I did think about that and I ruled it out because of this. Can you tell me more about it? That kind of thing. So p- typically, people will get those kind of responses in kind. I also think when giving feedback, people should consider whether they're choosing to wear a hood over their head. You know, I don't put a ton of stock in anonymous feedback. I, I don't. I don't. I put, I put a ton of stock in feedback, even that's really critical, if people are like, hi, I'm Jim Smith. I don't like your program for the following reasons. I'm going to write back to Jim. I'm going to, because because Jim did something courageous to say here's who I am here's what I think and I'm going to talk back to that person but the idea that the idea that people who need to to hide their identities to lob bombs at people like I find that amusing I don't find that constructive what about whistleblowers how how often sure. do you get that um, these are these are people who are not going to tell you their name not at first it, abs- absolutely and if somebody if somebody is saying I'm anonymous because of that that's a totally separate thing. Yeah, anonymous, anonymous flame throwing, you know that goes in the junk drawer. But anonymous whistleblowing, also, we 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 welcome, knowing that we're eventually going to have to work toward a position of mutual trust, where we do find out who we're talking to and that kind of thing. But that doesn't have to happen right away. So when I was a columnist for the Denver Post, I loved the hate. Yeah, the death threats, the you're you're this, you're this. Why are they giving you any space? Get rid of this guy. And so I'd, I'd look at the comment section uh, online and it was you know there was like a dozen guys or people who just oh just vicious 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 and then one day I wrote something that I knew they would all just go crazy on and none of them commented which led me to think a couple things wow either all of these 15 guys agree with me on this one thing which was wow I, I must have said I must have convinced them, or they must think the same way. Or maybe they're all on vacation at the same time. <laughs> or maybe, pardon my, my uh, thinking, they're all the same guy on the payroll of some, somebody, and their job is to ankle bite and uh, try to don Imus um, uh, somebody politically, and that's what they do. Yeah. You know, and it was like, hmm. And then the next week, they were all back. And I was like, I find, found that just fascinating. Wait, wait, you're not, you're not saying that some of these anonymous ankle biting organizations are simply astroturf for 
ideological organizations and individuals, are you? That would be a shock that to would me. Be a, that would be a shock to me. We, um, when there was a, a issue, it was at the Jeff, Jefferson County um, School Board, and these uh, board members who were trying to put in some um, uh, choice reforms, uh, they were getting Twitter bombed by all sorts of awful things. You know, look how fat and ugly you are, and this, and I mean, just you can definitely tell that somebody's winning the argument when they go to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, when they do that to me, it's like, <laughs> it's like, so you have vision. I, I, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, one of our guys who was much more tech savvy started doing some digging mm-hmm. and found out that they were all coming from the same server out in Illinois or Kansas, I forget. Yeah. It's like, so a bunch of people in Illinois apparently were, were, and they were all different people, but they were all coming from one server out of state. It's like, that is just wonderfully, you know, remarkably well-organized. Um, and so they were one guy. Yeah. They were one person, but they were, they, they, they all had names and, and little profiles. Yeah. But they, they weren't people. Can I, can, I, can I accidentally interject something serious into the conversation? Yes, so, I know I'm uh, overweight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, about, this is about the anonymous thing. And this is about the, the politics of flamethrowing. I think there may be a thought that that's harmless. It's just a way to work the ref. It's just a way to discredit people that we don't like. And one thing that I've found over the last couple of years is that I think it also contributes to a situation where it, how should I say this? There are seriously unhinged people out there. And I hope that the folks who choose to anonymously flamethrow know that there are people who are carrying cans of gasoline. And it's, well, I mean, yes, I want people to be really enraged at you journalist. But no, we don't want anybody to actually act upon that. But there's unstable folks out there. And I and I, I wish that folks would take a step back and realize who they might be motivating to do some kind of unhinged things. That's all. The system, you know, the, the Don Imus example was an interesting, I don't know if you were out here for uh, Colorado Media Matters, where the uh, left funded this organization, the first state-based media matters. And the idea was to go after conservatives in, in media. Was that Salzman? No. Who was that? Uh, Salzman might have been involved in that. Actually, I actually have a lot of respect for Salzman personally, um, not what he does. Uh, but uh, And their job was to audit everything uh, that Mike Rosen and me and other folks were doing and nitpick, nitpick, nitpick mm-hmm. uh, to the point that they were going after after uh, regular reporters, not opinion guys. And they finally burned themselves out. Um, um, but the idea was you keep, you, you have people, the flamethrowers keep doing this stuff and, and yelling at them so that at some point the person you're attacking says something they're not supposed to say, mm-hmm. which is, shut up, you blankety blank. And then, look, he's unhinged. And that, I mean, that's that's the way it is. Yeah. Have you ever in your, have you, uh, let me word it this way. Have you ever tweeted out something you regretted? Absolutely. What, I mean, what? I mean, my goodness. I mean, how many times, how many times have I tweeted? I mean. What, what, 
Give me a couple examples of what you've said that you regret and say it clearly and slowly. Right, in, right microphone. into the microphone. What, what, what kind of, I mean, uh, so honestly, have, some you, have you ever had to apologize for it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you search my name and say, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> I mean, you'll find the apologies. Not, you'll I'm find not, the public I'm not, ones. I'm not, talking, I mean, I'm not talking about to your wife. I'm talking about <laughs> no, in your job. No, I mean, I think one of the one of the issues with social media is that you're reading words on a screen so things can be misunderstood yeah. or misconstrued. Um, so I think sometimes you just apologize because it, it came through in a different way than it was intended. I think where I tend to run into trouble is, you know, somebody will come in flame throwing and and I'll respond with the, you know, thank you for making Next the most watched newscast in Colorado. And then what happens is people get truly vicious in the comments behind that. And and that's and that's when I'm regretful because I'm like, if I if I hadn't responded to the person, these other folks would not have been drawn to it like moth to a flame, and I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I just should have let it go because because as you've pointed out, like my goal is not to be is not to be mean spirited to people, but I do think that there's value in telling bullies like, sorry, today isn't your day. You know, I think there's value in that. But it, when it creates a social media pylon, that's that's not that's not good. So that tends to be when I when I regret and say, you know, I I should have done that. But that's Maybe you shouldn't have said that, but that's not, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm talking about, have you, have you really said something hurtful, mean, incorrect? Ig- ignorant. I, I, I mean, goodness, I mean, I've been on social media for ignorant. 15 to 20 I, years. You're I mean, on every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yes, I mean, I say ignorant things all the time because I'm a person who's learning about the world and, and you you can only speak from what you know. So sometimes... I talk about something that I don't fully understand. And then you come back and you say, I didn't understand that. I didn't get that. I didn't see that. I didn't under, I didn't understand what you were saying, you know? But these are human interactions. These happen all the day, all, all the time in human interaction. Social media just platforms them for everybody to see. And in perpetuity, which to me is kind of a scary thing about social media. Because I think all of us look back and say, like, I would phrase that differently. I wouldn't do it that way, that kind of thing. So to have a 15, 20-year record of anything that anybody has ever said, when you look back, and I mean, the way that I'll phrase things based on my knowledge of a situation will change from day to day or week to week. Also, because, uh, I'll plant this one right on the left's uh, lap, because because the the left changes terminology every week for somebody's sensitivity, uh, it just gets what you said two years ago is now offensive, and it wasn't then. So my son has Down syndrome. Uh, used to be retarded, but he can't be retarded now because that's the N-word, which is ridiculous. Um, my son can't have any normal friends. He can have typical friends because now normal is, is a bad word. Uh, so my Down, syn- my, my, my Down syndrome son can't be a Down syndrome son because of all this person-first silliness. He has to be a son with Down syndrome. And so you know, what you said a year ago, uh, you can't say today. I remember taking my, my grandmother when I was a teenager to, to oh, I feel so bad about this, talk about regrets. I swear, Nana, I meant it with the best intent. I took her to see Beverly Hill Cop. I didn't think it was as, as raunchy as it was. It's not like you took your mom to Deep Throat. I mean. Well, I did that too, but you know, no, I didn't do that. That was Hick, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and and she came out and she was very sweet. She said, you know, some of those colored people are 
very entertaining. You know, and from her point of view, that wasn't racist at all. But you can't say that. Language today. changes. Language changes. Language changes. So, you know, you catch, you catch a guy and you pull up a quote like that uh, from the past. It was fine then. It's not fine now. I You'll find that out when you get married, sonny boy. No, I mean, uh, certainly language changes. But I think, I mean, when, like, you know, when you talk about the, the example with, with your son, I mean, obviously the intent is, the intent is to be respectful to people, right? Like that's, that's oh, the intent. Oh, not to my son. No, he's That's a the intent. The intent is to be respectful. And like, and, and a lot of that I think is, you know, just kind of language changing as people who were talked about are now saying, I'd like to be talked about in this way. That to me seems like a pretty fair thing. I'll agree and disagree. You don't have a right over my speech. Well, sure. That's, that's, that's the reason why you've never that's been also, arrested for your speech. <laughs> well, that's also, I also have respect. I demand some respect. Yeah, I'll respect you all you like, but in return, you need to respect my speech. You might consider yourself a woman. I might not consider you a woman. You can consider yourself any way you like, but you don't have rights over my use of pronouns. We'll, well get into I, that. I, again, I, I don't know that there's any speech codes in, in the U.S. on those things. Now, obviously, it, is, it is in your office. Obviously, it gets into deeper issues when you talk about policy that's, that's based on various things or whatever. No, but I, I think we'll the, the point is language changes, and I think a lot of times the point of, of language, I mean, I think, I think you think, well, I don't want to say what you think. It strikes me that you think that it's about control, whereas I think it's about respect. I don't know. Am I wrong on that? I think it's about manipulation, and I think there are people who are scared for their jobs. I think there are students who are scared for their grades, and I think there are people who are uh, feel that in order to keep my job, in order to pass this class, I am feel that I need to lie, and I feel that is just disgusting. And uh, no, no disrespect to whoever the person is who feels like there's something else. More power to you. But the person who's talking also feels like this is my world and this is my speech and how awful it is in front of my children, in front of my world, I have to be forced to lie. I've got to make this choice, feed my children or speak a falsehood. And that's also wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't, I've never worked in academia and I also didn't go to college at this time. You know what I mean? But you talk to, talk to, talk to somebody who's working in, uh, uh, in a software company and needs the job and has to go to the seminar and has to uh, use the pronouns they don't feel is accurate uh, and it's against their their uh, their idea of science and you know it, no, it's it's a it's a thing there's two sides to this Respect i think people's i think ways. people's interest in other people's bodies is really is really fascinating no it's not bodies though it's it's you know what i hear is follow the science and and if the science is uh, there's two two chromosomes. You know, there's men and women. I mean, I don't I don't care. I don't care what you think you are. And if you're a man who thinks like you're a woman, more power to you. Well, saying I, saying that what you think you are, you know that that's offensive to people. No, I don't mean it as offensive to people though. I well, honestly don't. But you know that it is offensive to people. No. I don't know that okay. it's offensive to people. I mean, I to, I also have no expertise on this issue. Yeah. I'm just I'm just right. I'm just hearing I'm just hearing what you're saying and like and and I, I take you at your word that that you that you don't want to be mean spirited to people I, and, honestly, you don't, don't. and you don't want to I disrespect don't. people. I don't. So then so then the question but, just becomes no, when somebody says is, but I am disrespected by that, then that's where you have that's right. where you have to figure it out. That's right. where the and, tough and stuff when, is. When you that know? person when that person says, 
you're being disrespectful to me. I also get to be able to say, but you're being disrespectful to me. You're, you're, you know, you're pressuring me to use language I don't want to use. That is disrespectful. And that's the, that's the other part of that. And so I was like, we can both be respective. Do your thing, man. This is America. Do your thing. I want you to do your thing. And then I want you to say, you do your thing. You should have somebody uh, on, if you haven't already, who actually has lived experience on this and could talk yeah. about it better than I can. Because I'm just, I'm, a, I'm an observer of some of those, those changes in society. And, and my thought is just, you know, you just want to be respectful to people. And, you know, and that I want to be thing, respectful but, uh, to people too. And I want yeah. them to be respectful to me. All right, let's wrap it up with, yep. with, with, with uh, I want to wrap it up with this. I was a kid. I think we all it's were. tough to picture. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bald kid, a lonely, <laughs> bald, single kid. Um, Channel 9 was a powerhouse. Uh, and I remember it had like a 30 share in the market because there were, you know, there were four news stations. Um, it doesn't have a, a 30 share anymore because our eyeballs are in so many different places. Mm-hmm. Um, it's streaming, it's this, it's that. Uh, I, miss, I miss the shared culture uh, in that you talk to anybody my age and say, beam me up, Scotty. We all know what you're talking about. Um, other than the Super Bowl, we, we don't watch any of the same thing at the same time. Um, I, don't, I don't know what your market share is. Um, do you? It it you still it varies still it varies month to month to month. I mean, yeah, I mean, next next is the most watched news program in Colorado, more um, so than the ten o'clock news. Yeah, really? Oh, it has been for years. Oh, that is the most disturbing thing I have ever heard in my entire life. The amount of pain that has been inflicted <laughs> upon you since we've been sitting here is one of the great joys of my life. Um, no, I mean, does that not scare the hell out of you that mm-hmm. that next is the closest that Colorado comes to a shared experience when it talks about wow. the news? Yes. Yeah. Well. Well, one because of you know the propaganda you spit out, but also sure. just that. Um, and what what is the market share? But you know? but it's a but it's a it's a it's a fraction of what it used yeah. what it used to be. Um, and, and, and the issue, and the issue is that, you know, like the rising tide lifts all right. boats and, and the ebbing tide, you know, drops all boats. So, so everybody has dropped commensurate with that. Right. Um, so I, I think. Is we, that a bad thing? It's just a thing. thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a thing that's happened. For, I mean, for, for political, how to put this, for political wonks like me, as much as we complain about the media and as much as I've teased you for 15 years. For me, it's a bad thing because um, having some sources you go to. When, when the Rocky closed, um, that was a dark day for Colorado. That, 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 that competition between those two newspapers, we could, we could fight across the two. They, they, they didn't want to get scooped by one another. Uh, uh, you could go to one. If that one didn't work, you could go to the other. They had, oh, the competition was great. Politicians looked at both, mm-hmm. and and those two forces were great for the city, great for the state. And as though that one fell and this one crumbled down, um, uh, politics suffered, the state suffered. And um, I don't want to compliment you. It is important that your show succeed with tough competition from other news sources. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, because competition strengthens everybody. Yeah. yeah. And and more journalists is better than than fewer journalists because journalists are watchers. If we're doing our jobs correctly, we are a check against power. All right. That's that's the goal. Um, and and more of us doing that, whether they work for Nine News or whether they work for The Sun or whether they work for Denverite or whether they work for, um, you know, uh, radio any station. Any one of the communist organizations. Any one of those organizations that cause you pain is fine because it just means that there's more people watching and hopefully doing accountability journalism and not access journalism because access journalism serves no one serves no one. The fact that a politician likes you will never benefit your audience. It will never benefit your audience. So the more journalists that we have in the mix, the the better. So I, I don't mourn the days of the, you know, 50 share shared experience or whatever else, because mourning it would do no good when there's work to be done today to hold people in power accountable, to do smart analysis, and to help make people in the community more informed about issues. Looking, looking back isn't going to do us any good. We air on Channel 12. Mm-hmm. Your wife works for Channel 12. Full disclosure, yep. Full disclosure. Uh, so I love Channel 12. Channel 12 is a big, big part of what we do. Now i got to suck up to you and now your wife too. Yeah, yeah. But this is... This is bad. This has been a tough hour for you. This has been awful. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Let's do it again. Yeah. God, I like your wife. She's just incredible. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. And, yeah. And you are just amazing. Well, did I mention how good looking you and your wife are? Please keep oh it coming. Oh my God. Keep it coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for bringing us COVID. Well, listen, I did my best. Got to do this more often. Yeah. I really, I really appreciate you coming here and getting insulted by me and. And, and thank you for calling me fat and ugly. Well, as, as we talked about here, if people want to know how to interact with the media in a constructive way, you've shown how it can be done. That's the reason why the left hates you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time with whiskey. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Yep. This is John Caldera. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You can listen to more episodes on all streaming services, with new ones being released weekly. And remember, this is the audio from our television show. To watch the video version, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations. 